Hello and welcome to the Stretch Drive pre-trade deadline. Winnipeg still in the playoff mix, fresh off of a win in St. Louis edition of the Boarding Pass with myself, Murata Tesh, and my greatest ally at the Athletic Winnipeg, Ken Weeb, who is fresh off of just two hours of sleep following the big win that the Jets put together in St. Louis last night. And Ken, let's start there. Let's start with a big divisional matchup. Um, the Jets are up to 55 games played, 59 points. They're one spot out of the, the wild card race because of what they were able to do in St. Louis. And basically what I want to know is from on the ground, like you were, is this a sign that this team is still in this fight? Yeah, absolutely, Marat. Uh, I mean, just based on the feeling coming out of the room yesterday, I think it's pretty fair. You and I have talked about this, uh, you know, and quite specifically that uh, given the quality of the competition with two games against the Blues, one against the Bruins, and uh, head-to-head tilt with the Nashville Predators, the, the Jets were going to require somewhere in the neighborhood of four or probably even five points to survive uh, and maybe do more than tread water in that stretch. And lo and behold, they got themselves five out of eight. And uh, were it not for a, a phantom call on Sammy Niku and a one-handed love tap on the stick of Brad Marchand, <laughs> uh, we might be talking about six out of eight. And, I mean, to be perfectly honest, they, they probably could have had seven out of eight. So, uh, I mean... It's still, make no mistake, it is a steep climb, but uh, I think the Jets are in a much better position after the four games coming out of the break than they were, uh, you know, teetering on the brink uh, for the four games going into uh, the All-Star and player break, which uh, included that road trip that, that you covered, and uh, it seemed yeah. the wheels were definitely, they, they, they hadn't fallen off, they were certainly wobbling, so... Uh, I think the most important part for the Jets is that, yes, uh, Connor Hellebuck uh, had to be, you know, exceptional, I think would be a fair word for yesterday. But uh, goaltending has been very good, and I honestly have seen a renewed commitment to team defense. Uh, I think they've been way better without the puck in, you know, the majority of each of those four games. I mean, yes, there were some uh, scary moments for them yesterday, especially after they took that 2 nothing lead. Uh, the game completely turned around on that uh, extended Dijon shift that included a holding minor to Sammy Niku and a subsequent power play goal. And uh, the Blues seemed like they were the only ones to touch the puck for about a seven or eight minute stretch. I mean, I'm exaggerating slightly, but, but not much. I mean, the shots, I think, at that point were like... They were almost even. Then all of a sudden, they were not even. And the Blues were coming hard and... Uh, Connor Hellbuck took care of the rest, but I think the Jets, if again, it's an awfully big ask, but if the Jets put together games like they did in those four games coming out of the break, they will be competitive and they will be right in the middle of the race. I mean, never mind the numbers. We know the Calgary Flames are going to be without Mark Giordano for a couple weeks now with the hamstring injury. And yes, there are games in hand and uh, they did leave an important point on the table against the Nashville Predators, but uh, I heard belief in the room yesterday. I saw, I saw a lot of signs of an improved team, and uh, this group was was not about to to roll over, which which some people were wondering might be the case uh, going into the break. So, uh, what did well, you see? We, uh, 
We talked about it heading into the break that uh, that the team could improve on a lot of fronts from how it was playing and still come out of this particular stretch because of Boston, two times St. Louis and Nashville, and not have a lot to show for it. So for me, the first and foremost thing, to come away 2-1-1 from this group of four games and then be within that... Uh, one point of wildcard spot. That is a that is a good, good outcome for this. I'm with you to a certain extent on the team defense. I, there's a lot that I liked, which sort of led me to ask Paul Maurice about his neutral zone scheme. And he says that the Jets are playing a wing lock, like many people in the NHL, he says, like the Nashville Predators too. He says, I thought that there was some really strong commitment there too. At the same time, um, the Jets are not that juggernaut of a team that can just lean and permanently uh, just assert their will on anybody right now. So even in their first St. Louis win, the two goals they gave up in uh, late in that game were of the missed assignments variety. And I keep watching the one where it starts with Jets possession and Josh Morrissey has the puck behind the net. He pushes it up the wall. I think it's Mason Appleton is the winger. That doesn't quite make sense, but there's a winger in a tough spot. Um, it gets turned over. And the reason the pass goes to Ryan O'Reilly is because Mark Shifley is already too high and above his man. And there's still... Moments like that. Last night, the win as well. I'm still laughing that Connor Hellebuck can make 35-plus saves, and he's poke-checking guys because there's two men left in front of him because there's a man-to-man coverage issue in front of him as well. So I, I'm not just harping on the negatives to say it's all been negative because 2-1-1, one, one, the results, the commitment to play, I think it's there. Um, I guess what I'm, I'm being the killjoy, and I'm saying kind of like, I think that some of the mistakes are still there, and it's been great that Connor Hellebuck has been able to step up. Um, one of the most interesting things for me, though, I got to say, is Sami Niku, the man with the, the phantom call in that, uh, in that earlier game. Um, first of all, let's, let's be honest, uh, that was a phantom call. I asked him about it, and he said, I don't know. I don't know why this is happening. Maybe they don't like my hair, which is a great line in my, in my books. But he was able to stay in the lineup when, and Anthony Boteto came out when Nathan Beaulieu went back in. Uh, and now we've got a Lucas Pisa injury to cont- contend with as well. So they're getting it done again against the tide of injuries on this front. And maybe that's uh, another big story too. Uh, where are you at with Sami Niku right now? Yeah, uh, as the president of the fan club, uh, <laughs> the Free Niku fan club, I think that Sammy has shown some uh, impressive signs and I mean, to the admission of Paul Maurice, uh, it, it seems like what may have been a weakness uh, in the eyes of many uh, has, has, you know, has has seen Sammy actually elevate his game against some of the heavier teams like Boston and uh, St. Louis. So, uh, for sure, I mean, is there are there still things he's going to need to work on? I think there's been two holding minors in the stretch, but I mean. Uh, overall, I think that he's handling himself pretty well defensively, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I think his puck mobility, uh, things that, that we had been talking about, uh, vision and uh, his uh, exit uh, capability has uh, been on display. I think I see a comfort level uh, in improving and increasing. And, I mean, as you talked about with him as well, I mean, Samaniku is a far more effective player at 15 minutes than he is at... 10 minutes and he's question when, when he's questioning his abilities and not getting into any rhythm. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a continual process for him to continue to elevate his game. And having said that, I think he's handled himself pretty well here. So, I mean, another big test, even with Spiza now day to day, I mean, sounded like from today's uh, activities that Tucker Pullman, you know, provided there are no more setbacks could be back and 
in several days, three to four days, I think is the was the number that Paul Maurice used today in his availability. So uh, there will be another player coming back in. So I mean, he's going to have to keep keep holding guys off uh, in in the in the battle here. I thought Nathan Beaulieu was excellent excellent yesterday and in coming back into the lineup, especially in a situation where Spiza goes down and the Jets played with five Ds. So uh, they're hanging in there. I thought Bully was pretty good on the penalty kill. And I mean, just going back to what we talked about, I mean, if I told you the Jets were only, I mean, again, it's not, it can't all be results based. And I'm, I'm with you. There are still some things and areas the Jets need to clean up, but I mean, eight goals against and only four of those are at five on five. I mean, the power play, uh, their power play has allowed, or their penalty kill has allowed a couple or three, I guess, and uh, the one at one at the three on three, uh, with the uh, giveaway at the end of a long shift by Josh Morrissey. But I mean, five on five, I think they've they've certainly improved. Though I, I'm with you, I think there's we're going to be talking about things they need to clean up, and and that will be at the top of the list on almost every single discussion we have. Uh, with now the power play maybe creeping up into the into the top three things uh, as well, but. Yeah, I think Niku's played well. I mean, we should also talk about the third line. I mean, in the two mm-hmm. games against St. Louis, they were absolutely excellent. And uh, I think that I'm still trying to figure out how Jack Roslevic doesn't get an assist uh, on the game-winning goal, considering it was his wrist shot that started the uh, fray. And I did not see possession being held by the St. Louis Blues. I mean, Jansen Harkins makes a great great play to lift the stick, but there's no chance that was possession. I mean, and that goal doesn't happen without the so- the shot, so... Are you um, kidding me? I did not see that, that the no, assist just, wasn't there. That That's wild to me. I can't believe that. Yeah, only one assist uh, to Harkins, so uh, I'm sure that the... I'm sure some folks will be putting in... They'll be speaking to the complaints department, but again, another moment. I mean, uh, Jansen Harkins, I mean, we talk about guys who have been carving out roles for themselves. Uh, I mean, he's got to be on cloud nine today. I mean, he certainly was after the game yesterday. I mean, what a stretch of, of time for him. He goes to the AHL All-Star Classic. Uh, his dad comes to see him for the first time uh, in Winnipeg, you know, against Nashville. And uh, lo and behold, he scored his first NHL goal against the guy who was the Cinderella story of the National Hockey League last year in Jordan Bennington. And uh, it's not just a you know a, a bouncer off the shin pad. It's a perfect play where he creates time and space and finds a seam around Justin Falk and catches Bennington cheating off the post and and rips it home. I mean Harkins, you know, outside of Niku, I think Harkins has has had just an an impressive stretch of hockey and that third line was uh, very good again. Uh, Cop playing what Paul Maurice said might have been his best game yet and Rosovic should have had two assists and I mean had a big two goal and one assist night uh, the, the previous outing against St. Louis so uh, no impressive job by those guys and Mason Appleton uh, also showing that he deserved a promotion I mean I you know I wrote that in trying to spark the offense I would have liked to have seen Rosovic and Kyle Connor but uh, it turns out that the uh, once again the the coach knew what he was doing, and uh, I mean I still think that there's credence to my to my theory, but uh, he has certainly found some chemistry and and delivered a little bit of uh, both offense and some additional jam uh, with Blake Wheeler and Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, what do you think of the way uh, you know some of those guys have have played in elevated roles? Well, you know what? Right before he scored, I was thinking to myself that. Jansen Harkins kind of reminds me of Andrew Kopp 
Um, and then he, just because of his two-way acumen. At the AHL level, Jansen Harkins is essentially a, a number one center. He can play in all three zones. He's got the the hustle and the ability and the intelligence at that speed and at that strength level at the AHL to sort of control things quite a bit. And then at the NHL level, I've been starting to see a little bit of evidence that, that makes me think, here's a, a highly intelligent guy with the willingness to put in the extra effort, to make the back checks, to, to keep his motor going all the time, that maybe a nice case scenario for him would be this middle six play driving type center down the way, down the line, kind of in an, in an Andrew Kopp mold. But I don't think Andrew Kopp shoots like that. That that particular one snipe on Jordan Bennington to, to open his goal scoring career, however many he gets or not, it was, it was just one a heck of a shot from, from Harkins. And he's somebody who I got to say has been impressing me a lot. Uh, maybe it's a, a little bit of a okay. Here's a here's a new guy. He's got every, putting everything on the line all of the time, and he, his motor's running quite a lot. But he he's somebody I like quite a bit these days. Mason Appleton, just when I began to write him off kind of earlier in the season, well, it seems like in, in the last little while he's getting a lot done too. And I think my favorite thing, whether this is something he can continue or not, or keep scoring or not, but he's outright turning the corner on guys, going wide and driving it straight to the doorstep, and that's something that. You used to see, I think, from a previous era of Winnipeg Jets, when you had Andrew Ladd and and Blake Wheeler on the same line, you would see a lot of that. And I don't know that your Mark Shifley's and Kyle Connors and Patrick Laine's and, and modern Blake Wheeler is just showing up and pushing people over all the way down to the crease as much as uh, as much as they are scoring or, or looking for other opportunities. And again, Ken, yeah. I, I guess he's done it twice in two nights, and one of them was a goal and one of them wasn't. So I don't want to get too carried away. But Mason Appleton having the guts to do that, I think, is a good look among Winnipeg forwards. Um, Absolutely. I'm with you. I I wanted to, to, to talk about the defense a little bit. Now, of course, we have, you know, the huge news with Dustin Bufflin and uh, the you know, mutual co- contract termination that it looks everything is headed down that road. The dressing room has been very much in memorial mode and there's a really excellent conversation with Blake Wheeler that we're going to share right away and, and we'll get into that. But just the idea, because you were talking about it, Tucker Pullman's not far away. Lucas Bees is merely day to day. At some point, all of the eight or so men that Winnipeg has used are going to be healthy at the same time. Dahlstrom's still waiting in the wings. He uh, was sort of in that same realm of, of defender as well. Um, is is this a case where they're going to... Uh, what am I trying to say? How do you begin to, to tier these guys and group these guys and, and lean on them? Or is that going to be a moot point because as I believe I think Winnipeg is going to be aggressive and start shopping for defensemen and pretty soon a lot of those guys are going to be pushed right out I'm trying to read the tea leaves and, I, and I'm not sure who stays in the picture as, as this moves along yeah great question I mean and that that uh, you know that depleted number could could be added uh, could there could be add additions I mean our colleague Pierre Lebrun uh, mentioning again the Jets uh, one of the teams uh at least kicking the tires on Alec Martinez, I mean, who is a name that headlined my my list of five targets uh, earlier on, uh, you know, a week or two ago. So, uh, I mean, if there you get a left shot guy that could play either side, I mean, obviously if the Jets are are in on someone like Martinez, even if it's not just Martinez, uh, I mean, that certainly would 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 bump a guy or two down the lineup as well. So. No, it's a great question. I mean, I think that that Niku is showing that uh, 
Uh, he he deserves to be in the lineup, uh, and but he'll need to continue to show that on a daily basis. Uh, we know that Neil Neil Pionk and Josh Morrissey are not going anywhere, and, and I you know I was you know screaming from the rooftops uh, in a in a in a reasonably quiet voice. Uh, that <laughs> a I, reasonable I was, scream. I, I was in favor of. Uh, not only in favor, but you know, supporting the decision to put Pionk and Morrissey together for a couple weeks as well. And I think the Jets it's, it finally got to the point where they saw the value in, in helping each of those players individually and also collectively by putting them together. Uh, and they've really uh, you know done a great job with it since they've been together. I think so. Uh, where things stand after that, I mean, I, it's I think that the the case is quite wide open, but. Uh, if Nathan Bully is going to play the way he did uh, yesterday after a long absence, I mean, I think that he's going to be in the six. Dmitry Kulikov, uh, we expect to be in the six, and then from there, it's uh, it's pretty wide open. And I mean, I, 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 Pullman, I think sh- will be in there, but I don't think Pullman immediately goes back to Morrissey where he was. So uh, the internal competition bug is going to uh, be at a fever pitch uh, pretty shortly here. Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing, right? Because they leaned on Tucker Pullman very hard earlier on in the season. He was a top-pairing guy. I think he's third most in minutes per game uh, behind the the two pillars that are Pionk and Morrissey. But there's no guarantee he goes back into that. i got to say, Nathan Beaulieu, what uh, a, a boomer bust type player he appears to be to my eyes. Because his debut, we, we all remember it with Jacob Truba and uh, a really injured defense crew last season. He starts reasonably well, but with injury trouble this year. And then December, I thought, was a very difficult month for him. And there's just a couple of games in particular where the, the giveaways were beginning to, to pile up. But his game against St. Louis looked just like the old Nathan Beaulieu again as well. So uh, when when you say, if that's how he's playing, he, he should stay in. Well, I, I'm with you there because um, clearly he has that level. So hopefully, I guess for his sake and for the Jets' sake, that's a sign of full healing and uh, and him being ready to go, um, Martinez again. You know, I amongst your list, uh, I'll throw this out there. Colin Miller, I, I thought that was a really interesting ad because he has excelled in sort of a, a possession metric way for a lot of years. Has some offense to his game too, but just hasn't seemed to fit in quite in in Buffalo as uh, as I guess they had hoped for. Um, and maybe that's the case of they're giving minutes to some of their younger guys or what have you. But that's one that you named on your list that uh, I, I was pretty compelled by, I got to say, uh, as well. Um, but before we get too far along that, I guess we really should talk about Dustin Bufflin and uh, the news that that is. And, you know, it looks like he's played his last game for the Winnipeg Jets at the very least and uh, perhaps in the NHL as well. And I think that uh, you know, behind the scenes, you and I talk quite a lot, and I, I feel like you had a sense that uh, that he wasn't necessarily going to be playing anytime soon, even before the big news broke. Uh, and I'm just wondering how you feel about this situation right now. Before we get into it, because we have this great quote or a great session from Blake Wheeler talking about Dustin Bufflin's legacy. Uh, that comes out of a question: Well, is is Dustin Bufflin a villain right now? What is his legacy? And you've been around for the full full amount of it. Uh, what do you think of this news, Ken? Yeah, it's interesting for sure, Murad. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just seemed to me that if Bufflin was going to be back this year with the Jets or otherwise, uh, that he would have been the, on the ice by now. Uh, again, that's without having full knowledge of how his rehab is going. But I mean, 
what was floated, I mean, it feels like it was at least two weeks ago, if not three three plus ago, was that the next step for Buffin was getting on the ice. And uh, to our knowledge, at least, and to the knowledge of uh, plenty of insiders around the NHL, uh, Dustin hasn't been on the ice. So for me, that was a telltale sign that uh, any kind of comeback was probably on hold, uh, at least until the summer. And and, and for me, I, I, the way that I wrote it, I, I just don't see Dustin Buffin playing again. I mean, having said that, you leave the window open or the door open because Dustin isn't like everybody else. And although it would seem incredibly unlikely for a 35-year-old to take basically a year and a half off and only play 22 games since January of 2019 and then suddenly feel like playing again after losing the passion uh, for the game that uh, he loved for a long time. I mean, it, it seems you know, incredibly unlikely. But again, Dustin Bufflin is a force of nature. And uh, could he wake up one day and say, I want to give it one more try? If if Joel Quenville gave him a call or if uh, his old buddies in Chicago who wanted to get the band back together for one more run or or maybe even, a, you know, an outside chance to play for your home state in Minnesota. I mean, those would be the only scenarios that I would see Dustin Bufflin considering. And I would see those all as long shot scenarios uh, all of those teams have their own financial, you know, inflexibility in terms of salary cap issues. So I think Dustin Bufflin is, has taken his last shift in the NHL and he's going to skate off into the sunset. And what his legacy will be is is that he was one of the most popular and one of the best Jets uh, to play for this organization since he was back. I mean, timing-wise, I certainly understand why uh, some people are, are, are upset about it. And, I, and I'm sure there are you know, probably folks that uh, either play for the Jets or, you know, are part of the organization that, that you know, are, are confused by the timing as well. But uh, I think that once once the air clears and once people have taken a few more deep breaths, I think that at some point Dustin Bufflin will be celebrated for the, for the job that he did in the organization and, and the contributions that he made, um, you know, on and off the ice. And, and by off the ice, I, I know that he didn't... Uh, he preferred to spend as little time with us as possible, but he was did some things in the community quietly and, and spread a lot of joy and a lot of lives. So uh, I think that, uh, I mean, the vast majority of people are going to look at, at those contributions and you also understand, I mean, you look at our comment boards for anything you and I have written recently. Uh, there is a level of angst and anger uh, among a minority of those folks and some of them have, have been pretty adamant in those thoughts, but... Uh, I think that comes from the fandom and the and, and again the, the the feeling that I mean, if this was the case, why wasn't the timing better? Because the Jets would have handled their summer differently. But uh, I think at the end of the day, I don't think that Dustin Bufflin intentionally uh, shafted the Jets with with his decision. But I mean, there's still a lot of things that we don't know. But uh, I don't think that you can look at what Dustin Bufflin did. For the franchise and not uh, recognize the the large contribution that he made well i think more than anybody he he transcended the fact that he was merely a hockey player like i'm in the grocery store earlier this week as all this news is breaking and i'm waiting to pay and there uh there were a couple of women who were i want to say elderly for respect but they were talking about 
the Jets season and admitting that they hadn't quite followed it, but they were talking about Dustin Bufflin like he was just like a member of their own family sort of thing as well. And so they're, they're, these are not diehard, living and breathing, night in, night out people, but they know Dustin Bufflin and they love Dustin Bufflin. And the fact that, um, that he ha is no longer with the Winnipeg Jets is, uh, is genuinely sad to them. And I, I think that that is what has stuck with me the most. You know, ask 800,000 Winnipeggers, you'll probably get, you know, a whole host of different opinions. And because everybody sort of knew him and the joy that he played with and the unique character that he was. Um, so it, I think just how much he transcends past hockey and into the community, just that's what I'm going to take from it. But you mentioned that there was, in fact, uh, you know, there is an angle where there's some angst. And certainly not having Dustin Bufflin hurts the hockey team, not having Dustin Bufflin's cap space for much of the year, it hurts the hockey team, even if you understand it. And Blake Wheeler opened up about that, talking about his views of the full three-dimensional picture. He chewed it up and he thought uh, and, and discussed the ways that it hurt the Jets, helped the Jets, but all in all with respect for Bufflin himself, and we're going to play that to you in full because it was such a great opened up conversation. Well, I think, um, yeah, you're, you know, you're hopeful you, you miss him, you know what I mean? You miss him, and, um, you know, I sat down with him right at, right at the beginning of the season, and, um, you know, our conversation was, was great, and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I think it was just really important that you know he know that you know he doesn't he doesn't owe anyone anything i mean the way that guy played the game um he brought it every night for for this team and for our organization so you know i was i was i was pretty um you know obviously you're you're down about you know he's um such an important guy to us and you know i've been adamant over my time in in winnipeg that i, I wouldn't trade buff for anyone in the league and, and i meant that um, so obviously a depleted blue line coming into the season and then you lose your, your best guy. Um, you know, selfishly it hurts, but, um, you know, you, you, you gotta be respectful of, of, of guys, especially a guy that's, that's brought it like he has for so long and everything he's done for us, you know, he, that, that was, that was his decision to make. I mean, would you have preferred him to, to wake up in, uh, in, in May or June and have those thoughts. I mean, mm -hmm. selfishly, yeah, but these things are what they are. And, and um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if there's anyone that, um, you know, it's maybe harder for, you know, I came here, you know, I came here with Buff and we've grown up in this organization together and our wives are pretty much best friends and, you know, Two, two thirds of our kids, you know, the, the youngest ones are too young, but, you know, Lenny, Louie, Kai, and Kira are best friends. And um, so those are all the things that go go beyond hockey that, that make it really tough. And, and obviously, then you add the element to the ice and, you know, staying here um, with the, the dreams of winning it all. And, and obviously, Buff's a big part of that, you know, uh, makes it really tough without him. So, um, it, it, big, big range of emotions, obviously, come full circle to answer your question. Um, you know, you're uh, respectful of them in the beginning, a little bit frustrated, but, 
you know, when it comes down to it, I think, you know, I, I, I'm a player at the end of the day, and I, I'm respectful of a guy that, you know, if it's not, your heart's not in anymore, I mean, he doesn't owe anyone anything, and, and that, like I said, he brought it every night, so the love and respect, I think, that I have for him is kind of the overriding emotion now after kind of going through a range of emotions all season, you know. Um, you don't know what you have till it's gone. You know what I mean? And, and shoot, we miss that guy. Had you spoken to him since that one conversation then, or did it take you completely by surprise what has happened since, or have you sort of kept in touch? You know, um, I don't want to speak for him, but you know, I kept in touch a little bit here and there. And anyone that knows Buff knows that he's more likely to drop his phone in a fishing hole than he is to text you back. So, um, you know, we've kept in touch a little bit here and there, obviously through uh, through the wives channel here and how he's doing, and and um, you know, just kind of let the situation play out. You know, it, we have a group that's got to move on from that in here, and you know, it's our focus to try to try to win uh, in here. So we've had to move on, and when you get into the middle of the season, you, you don't have time to really worry about who's not here. You got to worry about the guys that are in the room, and um, you know, certainly. Um, um, an impact guy like him that you still have to um, you still have to keep his cap space on your books it it set, sets you back a little bit so there's there's always that um, element of it too that it's you know it creates a void um, kind of twofold but at the end of the day we as players don't make these decisions you know it's it's out of our control we just got to show up and, and do our best to try to win hockey games and um, you know, stay in the fight, and that's that's all we've done all year. Is there something to be said, Blake, or even admired for a guy almost going out on his own terms? Uh, this in pro sports, often guys don't go out on on their own terms, right? Well, that that was that was kind of the gist of our conversation earlier in the season, and um, you know, uh, com completely. Um, you know, that's what I that I, I think that's that was I was trying to be. You know, clear with him that you know if your heart's not in it. If it's not, you know, what you love to do, and, and you don't want to do it anymore, then I mean, it's not like he went through the motions for nine, nine eight, nine years. You right. know, he he busted his tail every day for this team, and you know, was such an impact player. So, um, you know, I think uh, that's it's a very very buff way to do it. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, Buff has always marched to the, the beat of his own drum, and, and um, you know, he's the type of guy that when his mind's set on something, that's the way it is. And, um, you know, so I think that's that's probably where it's at today. And, and um, but like I said, uh, you know, the way the way he he played for this organization over eight years is is kind of, you know, where, where I've come back to, you know, um, especially when you have when you don't have him, you know, like I said, it's. You just really appreciate, you know, how hard he played every single night and, and how much you miss him. I know you don't want to speak for him, but any insight as to why you think he maybe came to that decision? Was it just the injuries last year catching up? Or? I have no idea. You know, I, 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 that that would be unfair for me to to speculate because that's what it would be to be speculation. Obviously, he and I have talked, and, and um, but you know. I doubt you're gonna get him get him in front of a microphone. You might one day, and then, then you can try to ask him that question. But you know, I don't want to put any words in Buff's mouth. You'd be surprised to see him in the league again, though. Would that be fair? I don't know. Surprise wouldn't be the right word. You know, um, you know, I, I think um, 
when this all came out, you know, came up, it was a surprise initially. And um, so having gone through it, you know, if, if you were to wake up one day and you still got it, you know, you never know. Um, um, hopefully, hopefully it would, uh, <laughs> hopefully it picks us again. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I can't speak for him yeah. again. Would I be surprised? Nothing would surprise me, but um, you just never know. There will be some who will want to paint him as a villain in all this. Is that fair? You know, in, in pro sports, um, I think there's so much tied into wins and losses and um, production, and it's so, you know, it's a, it's a business. And I think what gets lost sometimes is the human element of it, and Buff's a person, you know, and he's no different than, than anyone else. And, and, you know, he's, he's I mean, no... Nobody will probably ever know everything that he's he's played through and the things that he's gone through to 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 go to work every day for this organization in this city and probably the most popular player ever in our history of our franchise for those things you know how hard he played and the physicality so um, you know I think that gets lost sometimes is just you know he's a he's a guy he's a person he's got three young kids um, you know he did it as hard as he could for as long as he could and. He doesn't have it, you know. Doesn't feel like he has it anymore, and he wants to focus his attention elsewhere on, you know, his family. Let it be, like, let it be at that. You know, I don't think that makes him a villain. I think um, it might have set up, set set this team back a little bit this year and put us yeah. in a tough spot. There's no question there, but I mean, he's uh, he's a guy, you know, and I think you, you just gotta. I, th I, th I think overall people will get to that point, you know, once it's all said and done and once um, some of the maybe the bad taste of that goes away, you know, people will wake up and say, man, Buff was, he was one of the, the great ones for this organization. He doesn't shy from admitting just how hard it's been on team and results and things like that, but one thing he certainly doesn't do is throw Dustin Bufflin under the bus because there seems to be so much respect there. And you know what, Ken, I got to agree, man. Buff was one of the great ones for, for the organization. I can't think of another player more fun to, to watch or to enjoy playing hockey. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, <laughs> a wide range of emotions. And uh, as a reporter uh, who's covered Blake since he's been here, I mean, I appreciate him pulling back the curtain a little bit. It, it would have been easy. And to be honest, I, I sort of expected him to to almost not not brush it off entirely but to not go down many of those roads that he that he was able to to take us in the media and the listeners down i mean we, we saw the other day even at the with the players talking about it when the news broke uh, there was a lot of next man up mentality and you know as the as the captain it would have been easier for blake to say we're not talking about guys that aren't here uh, we're focusing on the here and now i mean he did mention that briefly but he also went down a couple of the other uh, paths as well. And the fact that, that he did share that wide range of emotion, I think that was very genuine on his behalf because, like we mentioned, I mean, players had to have been confused themselves. And, you know, Blake Wheeler, you've talked to him a lot. I've talked to him a lot. This is a guy that has a very high desire of wanting to win the Stanley Cup and saw an opportunity pass last spring and now without having the most impactful player on the blue line available for an entire season and and now probably not available ever again to the organization i mean that took a big bite out of you know where the jets are currently at but i mean he already is looking into the future and understands the the implications of 
opening up that $7.6 million cap hit immediately and also into next summer. So uh, story still has a few uh, unanswered uh, questions, but I also appreciated the humor element. Uh, and for those people who have been wondering why this story has been so hard for us to cover, to, to, to have some things unfold, I mean, when the captain and <laughs> captain of the team and a guy who's played with them for basically nine seasons uh, tells you that Dustin is is more likely to drop his phone in a fishing hole than answer a text from his teammates. <laughs> uh, that that gives a little bit of uh, you know background to those who think that we're we're not working hard enough to to dig and uncover some of these unanswered questions that we have. But uh, again, I mean, Blake, uh, you know, he spoke with emotion and passion. He was measured, but you could tell those emotions were were still pretty raw and and that he had had a lot of time to process what what has transpired and at the same time he respects the decision and and you know felt it was up to it was his decision to make which uh, I mean as a as a hockey player who lays it on the line he he knows what that would be like to go through measured for sure full for sure three-dimensional absolutely and it's interesting because no one player can make a playoff spot happen the Jets are so close that you almost imagine that Dustin Bufflin would be the difference between where they're at right now at 59 points on the outside looking in. Calgary's got the second wild card spot with 60 points. The Jets do have nine straight games from here on out, um, six of them at home, but all nine against teams currently on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. This should be haymaking season for the Jets. It could be backbreaking season for the Jets. It could be both, uh, as one farmer pointed out to me when I tweeted that online. Uh, it's such a compelling time. We might have playoff uh, push trades to talk about the next time that you hear from us on the boarding pass. For now, uh, I got to just say, uh, please rate, please subscribe to the boarding pass on Apple. Click the show URL, which is theathletic.com slash Pass. That's 40% off your subscription to theathletic.com. For Ken Weeb, I'm Murata Tesh. Thank you for listening to the boarding pass at theathletic.com. Thank you.